What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. All right, all right. Um, hey, if you have your Bibles, um, let's go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. One of the things that they're going to do is they're going to memorize Matthew 5, 6, and 7 in the next 10 months. Uh, they also journal through that in a very slow way. Um, really asking God to burn that into them so that they just don't have head knowledge, but they actually, like Jesus in John 1.14, he was the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And we just want to be a people that are so saturated in God's word that we begin to walk in God's word as a way of life. And so one of the ways to do that is to meditate and to memorize God's word. And so this verse right here, it says in Matthew chapter 6, and by the way, you can put Luke uh, chapter 11, where Jesus, he's asking his, the disciples are saying, hey, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? It gives us a little bit more context here in the sermon uh, on the mountain. Jesus is just teaching them to pray, but it's the same thing in both places. Um, it says in Matthew 6, 9, it says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, That means your name is holy, it is set apart, it is not like any other, it is above everything, everyone, holy is your name. And then the next verse, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so Jesus is teaching us, his disciples, how to pray. And so if you're looking at the verse, it's kind of like, I want you to walk with such a heavenly mindset. I want you to have a mind that is wrapped around heaven. So all of your thoughts, all of your focus, and right, we know that because later on, Matthew 6, 33, if you want to look at it right now, it says, seek what first? The kingdom first. So the, the, uh, Eugene Peterson translates it like this. Make the kingdom of God your number one priority in your life. So as we are people that are fixed and focused on the kingdom as the numero uno in our life, and we dwell there, we're going to have a mindset that we bring everything in our life into alignment with the kingdom of God, not the other way around. So much of the Christian walk is... You know, it's like in the singles class, okay? The question is, hey, how far can I go physically and still be good with God? That, <laughs> that's not how the kingdom works. Amen, Joseph. The kingdom doesn't work like that. The kingdom's not, how can I... Can I get, how much can I get away with and then still be okay? No, that's not the kingdom. The kingdom is you are holy. I'm holy. How can I create boundaries that will bring you the most glory, God? Ladies, that's the kind of man you're looking for, by the way. How can, God, how do you want me to move towards your daughter? If you don't know, young men, come see me. Kingdom mindset. Where God's kingdom is, his will is done all the time. When God's will wasn't done in his kingdom, Satan was removed. That's why Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And this is the crux of us all in this room. We all want our kingdom because we want to be king. And usually, it's a movement where this is what I'm going to do. Bless me, God. Rather than, God, this isn't about me. This is about you. 
This is about your kingdom. And I want to bring my life into that. And I don't want to do anything that would bring disgrace to your kingdom. I want to move with you, my great king. We have to have a heavenly mindset. You've ever heard the phrase, a person so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good, right? Listen, that's not from God. Because it goes against the word of God. Because Jesus is telling us, hey, you need to pray. You need to pray. And because you're praying it, you're also going to be living it, bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. And we're going to go to Colossians 3 prayerfully. We're going to go to Philippians and we'll see that, man, we need to be having our minds set on heavenly things so that we can be of earthly good. Because this is where our home is. This is where my affections are. This is what I love. And as I walk in that, I can bring that wherever I go. Will, if you can throw up the first picture. These next two weeks, I'm going to be talking about T-Hop and kind of what T-Hop is because you kind of just hear that. T-Hop stands for Tamarind House of Prayer. Tamarind House of Prayer. And so... Uh, a few years ago, our church purchased an old funeral home called Stevens Funeral Home right here on uh, Tamarin Avenue, which is right, it's right next to our office. Our office is on 17th and Tamarin, and so we purchased this old 5,000 square foot building. It was empty. It was uh, just uh, drug infested, homeless. We're living there, and so we, we purchased it as a church because it sat empty for about five years. A lot of drug activity and everything going on there. Next picture. On April 13th, 2018, we dedicated it to the Lord. And we said, this is yours, God. Be glorified. And then we put in the permits to the city of West Palm Beach. And over two years later, Antoine, can I get a witness? Hey, city, we're trying to bless. Anyway. Anybody works from the city, come see me. I want to I forgive you. I want to repent for holding bitterness and anger and roots of judgment against you. So please come see me. Not for your good, but for mine. Help us to bless the city. In Jeremiah chapter 29, the Israelites who were captive enslaved in that city, God says, bless the city where you're enslaved in. So we bless the city. But anyway, we got the permits back, and we're building now. Hallelujah. Next week, I'm going to go over some of the answered prayer requests of what God has done and what he's continuing to do, because again, these next two weeks, I want to talk about it. But today, I want to talk about the why behind the what. Why is it are we building something like this? The first thing that I want you to, to, to get is this. Do not despise small beginnings. There are a lot of leaders in here. There's a lot of future leaders in here. And what you see right here was actually something God put on our heart over 10 years ago. 10 years ago, Bow Down Church stepped out in faith and we threw a concert, a free concert, and about 300 people came and we cast the vision for T-Hop and said, hey churches, does anybody want to partner? Does anybody want to join so we can do this thing where there will be no name on on the church, but it will be a house of prayer, and we can all come as the church of Jesus Christ and worship God. And nobody came. Nobody came. There was no building. Maybe I'm not a good vision caster. No. It was the wrong time. It was the wrong time. The right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Moses knew he was called to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, and he looked left and he looked right, and what did he do? He killed the Egyptian. He never looked up. How many church folk never look up and are just looking like this, wanted to do what they want to do, rather than what are you doing so I can follow? So this vision lay dormant. But it never went away. Why? Because it's from God. It's what God wants. 
It's a representation of what's going on in heaven. And we're going to taste the first fruits of that as a church. It's a way to actually be an answer to that prayer. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm really excited about it. You know what else it is? My house shall be called a house of what? No, preaching. Prayer. 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 Now, without good preaching, your prayers might not be right. But anyway, I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 4, please. If you're taking note, you're never going to bring the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven if you do not understand what heaven is like. We're called to be people that bring heaven to earth, but if you don't know what heaven's like, then you're not going to be able to bring it because you're not going to walk in a heavenly mindset. You're not going to walk in that. And so we're in the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 4, and the book of Revelation, if it's anything, it gives us a picture into heaven so that we can know what heaven is like. And so I want to walk through the book of Revelation, and we're going to see what heaven is like so we can bring it to earth. Revelation 4, verse 8, it says, And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, he lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created where's the focus on what you're bringing no those crowns even those crowns that were earned those things that were given those things that were important were even thrown down because when you are in the presence of God in the glory of God everything goes away some of you struggle with sharing your faith and i understand i have to and i do The issue's not with you, though. The issue is being so consumed with the presence of God that you're just walking differently. You walk worshiping. So who's in front of you doesn't matter. We cast down our crowns. What are you going to bring, God? What are you going to bring him? Have you ever thought about that? What are you working so hard for? It's nothing. It's nothing. God says, who who are you to build me a house? What we bring our king is but nothing. Revelation 5, 8, please. Revelation 5, verse 8. Everything fades when you are so fixed on the king and his kingdom. It says, when they had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, they fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang this new song, sing, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. See, there is no one else that is worthy. It's Christ and Christ alone who is worthy. There is no man that was worthy. Only Christ. You were slain. And by your blood, by your 
blood. You ransom people from, and I want you to highlight from, it's important, every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom priest to our God, and they shall reign on earth. And then I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders, the voices of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature on heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever and the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped him he is worthy he is worthy of all of my affection all of my focus. Listen, there was some of you, right, that didn't come to a three-hour consecration shift because there were thoughts in your mind of, man, how can I do that? That sounds boring. That sounds this. That sounds that. And it was in a mindset of the flesh that was absent reverence and glory of God. What can I give my king? What can I give my king? What can I give my king? And how do I know that? Because I have those thoughts. Three hours? I better get a cup of coffee. And that's me and my flesh. And I've got to get out of my flesh and get onto the one who alone is worthy. Turn to Revelation 7, please. Revelation 7, 9, please. And after this, I looked and behold, a a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes, again, from and from, extremely important because some of you have bought into a false gospel and you're standing in your ethnicity as part of your identity and that is a very dangerous gospel that you're in. And we have a world that is wanting you to identify yourself by your ethnicity as well. And that is counter the gospel of Jesus Christ. From. If you're from somewhere, what's that mean? You're not in it. It's something altogether different. Because you're from. You're from. from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the land, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb and the angels were standing around the throne and and, and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to whom? To our God forever and ever. Amen. I want you to go to Revelation 11. If you think you're going to be worried about your tribe in heaven, you don't understand heaven. You're going to be on your face, filled with awe and wonder, completely transformed into the likeness of God with your flesh ripped off because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Revelation eleven fifteen, and the seventh angel blew his trumpet. Revelation eleven fifteen, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever. It's all about him reigning. 16, and the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God, they fell on their faces and they worshiped God saying, we give thanks to you, Lord, God Almighty, who is, who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. And the nations raged, but your wrath came, and the time 
time for the dead to be judged and for the rewarding of your servants, the prophet and the saints, those who fear your name, both small and great, and for the destroying the destroyers of the earth. I want you to turn to Revelation 15, please. They're praising God for his judgments because he's dealing with wickedness. You will never get away with sin with God. This mom is wanting justice for her son who was murdered and somebody may get away in this life, but they're not gonna get away. They will feel the wrath of God. And this is why for us, we pray for our enemies and we show compassion because it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I pity those who come against me. I pity those who live profane and foul and reckless and are rebels against God because God will judge them and condemn them. Revelation 12, or excuse me, Revelation 15, sorry, Revelation 15 too. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who had conquered the beast in its image, and the number of its names standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands, and they sang the song of Moses, the servant of, the, of God, and the song of the Lamb saying, great and amazing are your deeds, Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All the nations will come and worship you because your righteous acts have been revealed. I want you to turn to Revelation 16, please. Revelation 16. Verse 5, it says, I heard an angel in charge of the water say, Just are you, holy one, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. They're praising God for the judgments that he brought because he brought justice. In this world, you will not get the justice you think you deserve. Release that. My justice that I will get one day is with God. And I have a compassion for those that continue to kick against the goads because one day they will be crushed like grapes. Just are you, O holy one who is and who was for you brought these judgments for they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets and you have given them blood to drink it is what they deserve and i heard the altar saying yes lord god the almighty true and just are your judgments god's wrath is perfectly measured out it will be perfectly measured out. That's why Jesus warned the people that he came to. Woe to you. It is going to be better for the day on the day of judgment than Sodom and Gomorrah than for you. Because I am here, right? I am here. Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah, and one that is greater than Jonah is here. Woe to you on judgment day. God's wrath will be measured out perfectly with justice. And we have a hard time with that. It's because you're not God. And you don't know justice. How could a good God do that? That's a really bad question. How could a just and righteous God allow someone who is rebellious and perverse in heart like myself to stand right now? 
That's a better question. I deserve the wrath of God. Great is his mercy. Great is his grace. Let's look at Revelation 19, please. 19, please. And the sad reality is people blame God. If God was love, why does he allow this to happen when they've forsaken the commandments of God and a lot of times are reaping what they have sowed, bringing curses upon their own lives because they wanted to walk in their own ways. That's why the Bible warns, there is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in death. But then we blame God when nobody wanted them and we're reaping what we've sowed. Be very careful who you listen to. Be very careful to stay in the word of God because his justice is always perfect because he is perfect. He is the righteous judge. Revelation 19, one through five. After I heard what seemed to be a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God for his judgments are true and just for he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and he avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more, they cried out, hallelujah, The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who is seated on the throne saying, Hallelujah, Amen. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Then I heard what seemed to be like the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, The Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice. Let us exalt. Let us give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. And it was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So here we are. Don't get freaked out about the book of Revelation about all the scary monsters and the judgments and this. Listen, what you need to focus on is these passages because it brings you into heaven. Let that be your focus. Let that be your consuming passion. Highlight these passages in your Bible and just take like we just did and just focus on our king, focus on our king, focus on our king. And you begin to be enthralled with who he is. And everything on earth becomes strangely dim. I want to talk about two different blocks that stop us from seeing what we see in heaven on earth. The first thing, and I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, please. First Corinthians chapter 1. The first thing that we do not we don't see in heaven is denominations. So, you know, my Pentecostal folks, right? Right? Imagine going to heaven, right? You're going to know where Pentecostals are. Hallelujah, shouting, flag, dancing, woo, 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 right? I mean, come on, they're going all in. Right? And then the other section, you know, maybe Episcopalian, I, I don't know though. You know, anyway, that might be more Catholic. Baptist, no dancing, grape juice only. It's non alcoholic, O'Doul's, I guess. And I joke, but there's a reality here because here's the deal. The true Christian, listen, I'm not hating on Pentecostal. I'm not hating on Baptist. I'm not hating on anybody. What I want to do is we walk in Philippians 2, 3, where we consider others better than ourselves. If I was going to describe myself, I'd be a Bapticostal.
We consider others better than ourselves. We prefer one another in love. When we know that this meat offends my brother because it was sacrificed to idols, we say, you know what, I'll never eat meat again because love is what we're called to. But see here, the early church was already divided. 1 Corinthians 1.10, it says, I appeal to you. I'm begging with you, brothers, 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 brothers. We're all brothers today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you. That is God's will, that there's no divisions among you. There's not going to be divisions in heaven. So how can we bring them to earth? Now, what I don't want you to do is walk out of here and say, well, I guess denominations are not biblical. And you go wave that flag. Don't do that. There is good things that have come from denominations because certain denominations have certain doctrinal beliefs that they adhere to. And so we're um, uh, gathering as a, a group around, hey, this is what we believe. This is why. Hey, listen, some of you who are here, you're like a Bowdownian, right? And you don't even know it. But that's our tendency. Martin Luther would be rolling over in his grave if he was in his grave. He's listening. He's like, preach it. He'd be so upset that there's a denomination called Lutherans. Why would he be upset? Well, let's keep reading. <laughs> no divisions among you, that you be united in the same mind and same judgment, for it's been reported to me by Chloe's people that there's quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Martin Luther, or I follow John Calvin, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. No, no, no. Let there be no divisions among you. And what stops us and blocks us from the kind of unity that we see in heaven on earth is because we allow these doctrinal differences to cause us to disagree. I've seen it in prayer meetings before where my Presbyterian brothers were praying when we went out to an outreach. Good reformed, right? Like, Lord, we, you know whom you have chosen. Before the foundation of the world, God, you chose them. So as we go out today, right? Then my other guys, right? Lord, you desire none should perish, that all may have eternal life. Oh. And we quit praying and we started preach praying. Anybody ever been to that one? That we ain't really talking to our Father. We're throwing doctrinal verses at one another. And all of a sudden, well, which one's right, Chris? They're both right. Ha! <laughs> you and I aren't wise enough to figure out when one starts and stops. And we're man. We're man. Favorite quote by A.W. Tozer. He told his disciple, hey, look, man. When they start going back and forth about Calvinism and, and all this and that, chosen free will, just leave the conversation. Go open your Bible. Start praying to Jesus. You'll come out two hours, two days, two years later. Guess what? They're still going to be arguing but you're going to be closer to Jesus. Now, I know that oversimplifies things for my, some of my intellectuals out there, but don't miss it. Don't miss it. It's loving Jesus. And so with T-Hop, what we can do is we can get rid of kind of the stuff 
can we agree on reading God's word together out loud, just like at consecration? Yeah, I think so. Can we agree to putting on worship music and just singing to Jesus? Yeah, I think we can do that. Can we begin to pray with what we've read in the scriptures back to Jesus so we know we're kind of praying the will of God since it lines up to the word of God? Yeah, we can do that. And so hopefully if we can agree on these things, having the heart where we consider others better than ourselves. Wow, this is going to be a beautiful thing where we're going to bring the kingdom of heaven where? On earth, where we're going to experience it. We are all in front of the Lamb. He alone is worthy. This is your words. These are your songs. This is for you, our great King. This is your house. Can you taste that? Can you see that? We just saw it in Revelation. Oh gosh, I want that so bad. And that's why we've dedicated this. And God is going to do this in our time. He's going to do it in our time. And not only is it right here. Let me tell you something. One of the worst drug trafficking spots is 18th and Tamron. That's right there. The glory of God is going to be right there. Worship and prayer and the love of God and the outflow that's going to pour out. I am just pumped. And that's why, by the way, it took two years to get our permits. Because the enemy knows what time it is when the people of God come together in unity. And we'll talk more about that last week as we study the Moravians with Count Zinzendorf. The second thing that we don't see in heaven that blocks us, and this is really important for those that have bought into this woke gospel, it's like a justifying that we need to relate to one another and find identity in your ethnicity. And people point to the text of Revelation chapter 5 and Revelation chapter 7 and say, see, Chris, every tribe, see, every tongue, this is important. Yeah, we need to affirm. We need to find identity in that. And I just say, yeah, we can affirm, we can bless, we can celebrate the differences, but understand, nowhere, nowhere, nowhere in Scripture are you supposed to find your identity in your ethnicity. That is a different gospel. And you need to understand that the world is trying to get us in our tribes. And this tribe can talk, but this tribe, you can't talk. Yeah, where's that verse? Oh, it's not. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Chris, you need to chill out. No, I'm not going to chill out. Because I see the division happening, and it's what the enemy wants. And you, some of you, have been lied to because you actually walk in that nonsense. And you don't build a doctrine off of two verses from every tribe when the key word's from. It's like we have no concept of what heaven is like. Look, Matthew chapter 22, you're not married when you get to heaven. Now, let me tell you something. How much do you think I stand in my ethnicity with my marriage? What do you think that brings to the table in my marriage? Zero. And my marriage is way more important than my ethnicity. But we're not even married in heaven. Some of you are you're hallelujah inside. Don't do that. <laughs> need, you get, count, get counseling. We need, we're, here for, we're here for you. I'm just playing, guys. I'm playing. But you guys are sad. How many? I don't like that. That's one verse in the Bible I don't like is Matthew 22, 30, because you're not married. Anyway, 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. This is why we got to come out of this d- divisive race stuff. 1 Corinthians 15, 42. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. 
What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. What is sown is in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. Your ethnic identity, your (laughs) flesh and blood is weak. Quit trying to find pride in that. It's raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It's raised in a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. Thus, it's written, the first Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it's not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, the man of dust. The second man is from heaven, as was the man of dust. So also are those who are dust. And, And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven, just as we have borne the image of man of dust, we shall also bear the man, the image of the man of heaven. Verse 50, highlight this please. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Again, that is a false gospel. Nor does the imperishable inherit the imperishable. Hold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For the perishable body, body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. I want you to turn to Luke 3, please. Look, if you take a note, Acts chapter 6, the first time there was a division in the church, it was because in the distribution of feeding um, the, the widows and the orphans, the, the Hellenists and the Hebrews were standing in their ethnic identity as an identity, and their discrimination happened in Acts chapter 6 in the early church because they didn't understand there's no longer Jew, there's no longer Greek. We are all one in Christ, and Christ, he tore down the dividing wall that separated us, and he created one new man. There's one new man now. There's one new race upon the earth. And that are those in Christ. And the old is gone. The old is gone. That's why the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, hey, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews from the tribe of Benjamin. And then you go down and it says, and I consider that rubbish. I consider that dung. What are you saying, Chris? That if somebody loves their Hebrew nationality and they find pride in that, that it's considered dung? No, I didn't say that. Paul said that. Paul said that. Paul said that. When Martin Luther King said, I, I, I want people to be judged not, not, not by the what? Color of their skin, by the content of their what? Character. It's their Christ likeness. That's what's important. When first, first uh, Samuel 16, 7 says, man looks at the outward, but God looks at the what? The what? The what? The heart. So we've got to be like God, and we've got to get past this superficial stuff with the amount of melanin we have in our skin. We've got to look at the people's hearts, and this stuff has to go if we're going to walk in the kingdom of God. And I want you to understand something. This is why we're in Luke chapter 3, because this is the gospel that was preached to the Hebrew nation, who is very prideful. Luke 3, 4. It says, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord and make his path straight. Every valley shall be lifted. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. Every crooked, crooked shall become straight, the rough places become level ways, all flesh shall see the salvation of God. And he said, therefore, to the crowds that came to be baptized, you brood of vipers. It's like, hey, welcome to church, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee the wrath that is to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourself, so here's the first thing that Johnny B attacked. Why? Because he was preparing the way for the Lord to come. If you take pride in your ethnic heritage, your ethnic identity, 
it can be a block to the gospel of the kingdom of God. Because we have a new kingdom, we have a new king, the old is gone, the new has come. And he was attacking that right away. The first thing that he attacked was that. And we are on dangerous ground in the church if we don't address these things. Do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able to raise from these stones children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the tree. Every tree that therefore does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So here, guys, these things block. <laughs> these things block, guys. It's not that we don't deal with injustice, because we do. It's not that, 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 that we uh, don't celebrate and, and honor on other cultures, but we get into trouble when we find identity, identity in that. And it can become a block to where we become like Acts chapter 6, the Hellenists and the Hebrews, and there's separation, and there's not a unity with one another. So if you're taking note, the reasons why we want to do the Tamron House of Prayer is because we want to bring heaven to earth. We want to worship Jesus with a love and an affection so that he becomes our all in all and everything else just fades. Everything else just goes away. He alone is worthy. He spilt his blood for us and we want to give him everything. And we have to be careful that we don't allow doctrinal things to divide us or also race stuff to divide us because it's not who we are in Christ. Everybody comes as one new man before the throne of God, worshiping him and honoring him because he alone is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. I want you to turn to John chapter four, please, and we're gonna close with this. John chapter 4. What is the Holy Spirit doing right now? What is the Holy Spirit doing? Jesus is going to tell us. John chapter 4, 23 and 24. And I want you to understand something, by the way. The woman at the well was race baiting Jesus. What are, what are you, a Jew, talking to me? Well, you Jews, and she's, right? Did Jesus move on that? No. He just came right into her. She just, he, just, he just came right into her, the kingdom, and he tells her, hey, this is what my dad is doing. This is what he's about right now. The hour is coming, and by the way, she's getting welcomed into this. She's getting welcomed into this. The hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers. You might want to highlight that because there's going to be false worshipers. We'll worship the Father in spirit and in what? Truth. That's why in consecration we start out with the word of God. Because the word comes, truth, and the spirit. I've seen some quote-unquote spirit stuff happen. And I'm like, where is the word around here? Nowhere to be found. Word, spirit. Word, spirit. And Jesus said in John 6, 63, the words that I speak, they are what? Spirit and they are life. The Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is looking to raise up a generation that is going to worship him. Verse 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's the second time he says it. Why? Because that is what he's doing. This is what this is for. This is what we are going to be about, and I'm excited about this. I'm excited about what's going to happen when the people of 
God begin to say, oh, this is what you want, Father? You want us to worship you in spirit and in truth? And they spend a few hours in the house of prayer, and then they come outside, and they walk heavenly-minded. They begin to think the thoughts of God. They begin to think heavenly, and they begin to transform their neighborhood because where they go, they bring the presence of God, the kingdom of God. It's the number one priority in their life. So anyway, I need all your money right now, okay? I'm just kidding. God's provided. We got cash in the bank. Because he's building it. He's building it. He's building it, right? I ain't asked you for nothing yet. But I will if God wants me to. Father, thank you for this time. Worship team, come on up. Prayer partners, come on up. Father, we just thank you. We praise you, God. God, I look forward, man, I could get rid of this old, broken-down body to be able to focus on you, to focus on you, to adore you. You are so worthy, God. God, even, even, even in the midst of consecration, my stomach's grumbling for food. Someday that's not even going to be a thing. I'd had thoughts um, that, that assailed me, worries, concerns, fear, while I'm trying to worship you, God. And someday all that's going to go away, and we will be able to love you and to love you, God, with everything that we have, without this flesh, without this body. Oh, God, we thank you that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We look forward, God, to our new bodies. And so, God, as we, as we focus our gaze upon you, as we sing toward, to, to you, as we kiss toward you, God, I pray heaven would come down and you would just strip away what doesn't belong so that all of our affections, God, could be towards you right now. We pray for the kind of worship that we saw in the book of Revelation that would happen right here, right now, that people would not care who's by them, They would be so in love with you that nothing else matters. Come and do it, God, in this place. Bring us into you, Jesus, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.